Well, good morning, New Hope. Happy New Year to everybody in the room. Glad that you're here with us physically. And if you're chiming in on the live stream, welcome as well as we begin 2020. Happy New Year. We are praying great favor over your year and that God shows up in adventuresome ways and he brings joy and peace and life transformation uh, to you in many, many ways. In starting the new year here at New Hope, we always start the year, and we've practiced it over the last four years, of utilizing prayer and fasting before God and giving him the year, setting it before him, starting it. John Bunyan, a famous pastor years ago, made the statement, if you... Don't meet with Jesus in the morning. Rarely will you find him the rest of the day. How critical it is to start your day with your face before Jesus and invite him in to every aspect of what your day looks like, whether it's your meetings, whether it's relationships that you're going to have, there are decisions that you need to make, regardless, to start with him and give him the day. But how great would it be to start your year and to say, Jesus, take my year and do it during a time of focused prayer and fasting. And in this, over this prison break series, we're going to be practicing that, prayer and fasting. So what's the purpose then of a spiritual fast? Well, the idea of it is to have a breakthrough or breakout in a particular area of your life that hasn't changed or that you're overwhelmed by. And you need God to do something. You need a miracle. You need him to show up, either in your life or maybe in another's that you love. We see in Matthew 17 and Mark chapter 9 this interesting story of the disciples being sent out by Jesus with his authority to proclaim the good news about Jesus, to heal the sick, and then also to bring victory over those who are demon-possessed. In this particular story, a father brings his son, a boy, to the disciples, but they're unable to cast the demon out of his life. Jesus shows up on the scene, and the father says, Jesus, your disciples were unable to heal my son. And Jesus pauses and makes this interesting statement. He says, this kind can only be cast out by prayer, and then he adds, and fasting. So there is something in this scenario, in this area of the spiritual realm warfare in this little boy's life where there had to be this extra piece of not just prayer, but fasting. We see Jesus all over the gospels casting out demons. We see his disciples doing it as well, bringing healing. But in this particular scenario, Jesus adds this peace. And it gives us this insight that Potentially, there's areas of our life that we have not yet been able to overcome or that we need a prison break from. 
that is gonna take more than just prayer. But we're gonna have to add this element of fasting to it. A time of prayer and fasting is a time where we seek God in desperation to break us out of a situation in our lives. Fasting is a time when we give something up. And typically, it's food. As you leave here, you're going to get a little booklet called Prison Break. In it, it explains fasting and the particular fast that we do here at New Hope called the Daniel Fast. You can Google more about fasting. This isn't going to give you all your answers, but it gives you an overview of why we do the Daniel Fast and what spiritual fasting is. But the Daniel fast comes out of the Old Testament in the book of Daniel about this guy named Daniel who is a slave to the Babylonians, a Jewish slave. And in the book, in chapters 1 and 10, he does this fast where he gives up food and water. He gives up the rich foods of meat and wine because he is seeking God to get him out of this prison break he's in, this situation he is in. And he does it for 21 days. Now, it's important to understand that the idea of fasting coupled with prayer is not dieting. If you just fast and you don't pray, it's basically, I'm just dieting. The idea of putting the two together is to seek God's face in an incredible way for a specific area of your life. So fasting and prayer is incredibly important to have together. When coupled with prayer, as said in the booklet, it serves as a powerful vehicle to draw us closer to God. During this time, we should have an increased time of setting a time aside for prayer, confession of sin, seeking God's face, and asking him for a specific area of transformation, breakthrough, or breaking out in our lives or in another person's life. Now, when it comes to fasting or giving up food, particular areas of food, it doesn't always have to be food when fasting. So if you're in the room here today and you struggle with an eating disorder or whatever, then potentially giving up food is not a good move for you. But you could give up social media. What? <laughs> right? With the Daniel fast, typically you give up rich things, which means Starbucks or caribou, and you go to water. (laughs) The idea is, whatever we decide to give up, and it's between you and God, it needs to be something where he is going to have to give you the power to do it. And when we do this, what we find is that maybe we don't have a God, capital G, in our life that replaces the God, but we certainly have a lot of little gods that control our lives. 
I encourage you, maybe you just give up your sitcoms during the week or you don't watch TV for 21 days. Maybe you don't listen to secular music for 21 days or K-Fan or talk radio, you just put on Christian music, 21 days. It's something where you are gonna need him to give you the power to do it and you're gonna have to trust him with it. Why? Because you need a prison break in your life. And that's what this series is all about. On January 11th, 1962, lifetime criminals Frank Lee Morris and brothers John and Clarence Anglin escaped San Francisco Bay's The Rock, which is mostly known as what? Alcatraz, right? The three of them fabricated out of soap and toilet paper and their own hair their formation of their facial features and placed it in their bed at night so that when the official guards would come through on night watch, they would be fooled. Over a period of years with crude instruments, they dug holes in their prison cells that went into a corridor that the prison no longer used. Once in the corridor, they made their way up through the ventilation shafts onto the roof. And nobody knew they were gone until morning. They searched Alcatraz and Angel Island next to it and didn't find the men. Have you ever been in a place, or maybe you are right now, where you just want to get out. You just want to get out. But you can't. Three weeks ago, I was sitting in my home office and I was wanting to do some homework for school and I, I couldn't put a word on the screen. I was antsy, my heart rate was heading upward, my chest tightening. I tried to pay attention to one thing, but all kinds of other things were in my mind where I was jumping to them like, oh yeah, I gotta do that. Oh yeah, I gotta, I gotta. And I came to a point where I was paralyzed. I mean, I couldn't, couldn't even get a word on the screen. And I sat there and I just was like, And I wanted to move. I wanted to get out of that situation. I just, I had things to do. And after moments, I reached over to a notebook next to me and I just ripped out a piece of paper. And I wrote on that piece of paper eight things that were overwhelming me in my life at that moment. And underneath it, I wrote out Philippians 4.4, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. <laughs> there was no rejoicing going on there. Let your gentleness be evident to all. Why? The Lord is near. The Lord's near. And I took that piece of paper and I slid it across my desk. Took my hand off it. And I said, Jesus that's yours. 
It's got to be yours. I'm paralyzed. Can't do a thing. I'm imprisoned. And at that moment, this this weight, this these eight items rolled off my shoulders, off my mind. My fingers started working. My chest loosened up, and there was this peace. There was this prison break. The great pastor and preacher Charles Spurgeon said in his morning and evening daily devotional, prayer is an open door which no one can shut. Prayer is an open door which no one can shut. Sometimes we find ourselves in a place where we can't get out. It may be an actual physical place like a prison cell. But it certainly can be an emotional place, depression, anxiety, grieving. Your prison cell may be a spiritual place, maybe a a sin that you're holding on to. Maybe it's guilt or shame. Maybe it's unforgiveness towards another person. Maybe right now you just have so many questions and doubts about God. Maybe your prison cell has to do with relationships. A conflict with a best friend. A marriage that is in a rut or has been harmful and you don't know what to do. Or a family situation. Your prison cell might be financial. Unexpected repair. January credit cards are showing up. Or you just got laid off for the winter. Or maybe your prison cell is physical, where you have an undiagnosed illness you're wrestling with. Or it's been diagnosed, and the news is not pretty at all. Hard. In this series, we are going to be going through the prison cell experience of the Apostle Peter in Acts 12. The book of Acts talks about the history of the early church. And we can relate. And Peter is arrested and he's sitting in this cell and like you and I, he's wondering, am I going to get out? Is there going to be a prison break? I want to share the start of the story with you this morning in Acts chapter 12, verses 1 through 5, and give you a bit of insight on Peter's cell situation. It starts out and it says, about this time King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. Now this King Herod was the grandson of Herod the Great, who was ruthless. He murdered his wife, his three sons, his mother-in-law, his brother-in-law, his uncle, and then he was the one as well who tried to murder Jesus when he was born. But he had all kinds of other boys murdered, Jesus' age and under. This Herod, who is Agrippa I, is also the nephew of Herod Antipas, who had... John the Baptist's head cut off. 
and who brought to trial Jesus. So the DNA ain't so hot here. (laughs) Not friendly as far as the king. And we read that he's arresting those who belong to the church. That would be like us today. We're the church. In verse two, it said, he had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. So we see maybe where things are going for Peter. Verse three, when he saw that this met with approval among the Jews, he proceeded then to seize Peter also. This happened during the festival of unleavened bread. Historians state that this Herod was not as ruthless as the others, (laughs) although it seems like it. But yet he made decisions out of popularity. Will this help my popularity poll, my political position? And he recognizes that, hey, when I took James's life by the sword, the Jews were ecstatic. My numbers went up. So what does he do? He arrests Peter, the leader of the church, thinking, wow, my fame, my support will go through the roof, right? In verse four, it says, after arresting him, he put him in prison. Now, prison during that time isn't like our prison today at all. Matter of fact, Mamatine prison was considered the dungeon. It was basically two holding tanks that were underground, dug out of rock. It was pitch black, no windows. There was one dungeon and then one underneath it, and Peter was on the lower dungeon. Any kind of refuse from the upper dungeon would take on gravity to the lower dungeon. It says in here, as it goes on, that he was guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. So he was a big deal. Around the clock, there were two men in with him and two at the prison gate. You see, prison during that time was not a place where like, you hold people for a long time. You didn't feed them. Prisoners hoped that they had trial quickly before they had starvation. And there were two options. You were innocent and released, but if guilty, it always ended in execution. And so this is where Peter's at. And we read that he is in here, and Herod holds him here until he can bring him to public trial after the Passover. So Peter's held in here for seven straight days. And I'm sure in his mind he knows that after seven days, his end is going to be like his friend's James by the sword or something else. That is his prison cell. That is Peter's scenario. And we at times, or maybe now even, feel like him. There's no way out. This is it. But we see this shift, this hope, in verse 5, where it says this. So Peter was kept in prison. We just talked about what it looked like. But... 
And I've always said, there's a lot of big buts in the Bible, and this is a big one. The church was earnestly praying to God for him. The church was earnestly praying to God for him. Boom. This prayer was an intense prayer. This prayer was a steady, persevering prayer. This prayer was a specific prayer all about what was going on with Peter. This prayer was a prayer of the church over a seven-day period because they knew when the Passover is over, he's going to trial, and pretty much we know what's going to happen. And so they were praying for something to take place. And they were doing it focused and intense. The beauty of prayer in our prison situations is that prayer has no barriers. Governments can't stop it. Our location can't stop it. Our enemies can't stop it. Our spouse, boss, children, neighbor, even the devil cannot Stop prayer. Pastor Sidlow Baxter stated this. Men may spurn our appeals, reject our message, oppose our arguments, despise our persons, but they are helpless against our prayers. The Queen of Scotland said this of the famous preacher John Knox. I fear John Knox's prayers more than an army of 10,000 men. 10,000 men. Why? Because when men and women work, men and women work. But when men and women and even youth and children pray, God works. We invite him in to our situation. You see, God is omniscient, omnipotent. His omniscience, he's all knowledgeable. Omnipotent, he's all powerful. But he's also omnipresent, meaning he's always present in his creation. God is not creation, that's pantheism. But he is always present with his creation. So where you go, he goes. Where you go, he goes. We see this great picture in the story of Jonah and the whale, right? When he's swallowed, he's in the belly of the whale, and where is it he screams out to God? His prison cell. From the belly of the whale, and God hears him. Our cellmate in difficult, brutal times is prayer. It is always an open door. Always an open door. And the beauty is it's just not our prayer, but also the prayers of others on our behalf as we see in the life of Peter that as he is stuck in prison, many feet underground in this dark dungeon, the church is praying 
on his behalf. So our goal for this time of prayer coupled with fasting is to earnestly seek God in a way we've never done before. To get us out and provide us a prison break in an area of our life. And so next Sunday after the service, we will begin this 21 days of prayer and fasting and it will end January 2nd, Super Bowl Sunday. But it's a time between you and God to decide what is it going to look like for you. Maybe it'll be fully what the Daniel fast is. Maybe it'll be a portion, but coupled with giving up technology or TV or a certain other area of your life. But it's something where you need God to come in. And like the last song you sang in the first set, to make a move, right? To make a move. We need a move. Because what I'm doing right now so far, I'm still sitting in the cell. And I need Jesus, you to move. So I encourage you, as you go out to grab this booklet, read it through, look more about the Daniel fast, the purpose, and to prepare your heart for the 21 days. 21 days out of 365 days. 21 days to set the course of this year. Psalm 40, verse 1 and 2 says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and he heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. That is the picture, desire, and the goal of our time of prayer and fasting, our time of going through this series called Prison Break. So I invite you to take it seriously and allow God and invite him and challenge him to show up in your life in a way that you have yet seen. And I know some of you have already been there, done this, and when we've done it in the past, and sometimes maybe in your mind you're thinking, ah, been there, done that. But I invite you again to allow God to do a new work in and through you during this time. And if you've never been, or even like, what's that about? I challenge you to come before him and allow him to show up and provide a prison break in your life. Let's pray. Father God, we all sit here and we can identify an area of our life where we need to overcome where we're stuck. We can't get out. So I just pray that all of us would take seriously this opportunity. And over these weeks, we'd invite you in to break us out of who we are into who you would desire us to be or to break us out 
an emotional challenge or a physical challenge, a relational challenge, financial challenge, whatever it might be, that you would set each one in here free. In your name, amen.